This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the Holy City of Jerusalem. Uh, you know, midway through coronavirus, it's been about a, uh, a little class now. Uh, I think we're going to do it, uh, um, you know, we'll do a nice uh, 25 minute session. And I would like to. Uh, Come from uh, the perspective, Gedalia. Can you mark off twenty-five seconds for me, please? On the li- just uh, give me a give me a point to your wrist that when I get to twenty-five, yeah. Okay, so so here we go. Um, welcome everyone. Uh, I hope everything's going okay with all of you, and uh, sending you blessings from the holy city, from Jerusalem. Uh, we've got our lockdown unlocked now for the most part. We have to keep all kinds of instructions, but we are allowed out. And I managed to drive all the way to the Ben Shemin Forest tonight with my uh, sons. And we went mountain biking, which was you know, a real pleasure to get out in the woods. We've been getting out in the woods, but we have had to basically sneak our way over there. And uh, But this time we got to actually drive you know, to the Benjamin forest is that beautiful forest that you, if you ever fly into Israel, your jet often makes a big u- sweeping U-turn over a forested area. That's called Modin. And the forest is called Benjamin. And, uh, it's really something very special. Um, yeah, so let's, let's rock. So today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, two different moves in surfing that, uh, maybe you could learn from, um, uh, maybe even more than two moves that you can make. Um, the first move is is motivation. You know, surfers are known for living, uh, you know, the easy life and the, you know, more lackadaisical lifestyle, perhaps. But uh, but you should know that surfers are are um, early risers, and as such, we we also like to go to bed early, and we like to be sober when we go to bed. And the and the reason is is because the when the when the earth is cool at night, the ocean, you know, the earth can cool to temperatures lower than the ocean, and that because the earth is now cooler than the ocean, so there's a higher pressure now over the ocean, and now the wind will blow from the land to the ocean, and what that does is it sculpts the face of the wave. If that's the wave, it's going to sculpt the face of the wave beautifully. And the, so as the waves come in a break, the wind's blowing into it, sculpting it, smoothing it. And uh, and if it's hollow, it's actually going to blow into it and hold up the, the hold up the tube, perhaps even better if it's strong wind. And the the as opposed to later in the morning when the earth's finally warmed to the point where it's warmer than the ocean, so then you get the onshore winds which are blowing from behind the wave, causing the wave to crumble and lose its perfection. And so, the uh, anyway, but that, that's, how, that's how it works. And so surfers like to be up early in the morning. In fact, um, uh, someone's phone is, uh, should be muted. I don't know whose phone is on the, on the Zoom is unmuted, but should mute it. Anyway... So surfers like to be up early in the morning. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I paddled out into the ocean while it was dark, meaning it was pre-dawn. We're putting, we're putting on our wetsuits in the pitch black. It's still night. 
and we're making our way down to the beach and you know you're just starting to get the first light in the sky and we're we're hitting the shoreline which in the winter could have been freezing cold water and the you know we're in wetsuits and and you know we're ready for the cold and it it is but it's like oh my gosh you so want to be in a warm bed but with the promise of catching some good waves that are going to be with the offshore winds when it's coming from off the land to the shore that's called offshore as opposed to onshore and the to get those offshore winds and not to mention that all the surfers who are more surfers as a lifestyle they're probably fast asleep at this point and they're only going to be showing up two three hours later which means you get more waves because when you're surfing good waves it's generally one guy per wave and and uh, the fewer the guys, the more waves you get. So it's uh, it's not something that you you really don't want a big crowd out there. And so there were many many days like that where we'd get up early, we'd be motivated. And and the other thing is you had to have a lot of knowledge because there was a tremendous amount of detail involved with all of this. I look like I have an electrical line plugged into my brain over here. I I think I'm plugged into the wall right up there, you know, by by this plug. The um, anyway, there's there's a, a lot of variables. You've got um, wind direction, uh, wind speed. You have swell direction. You also have f- swell frequency. You've got um, tide, high and low, moving around. Full moon, bigger tides. New moon, bigger tides. Uh, half moon, le- le- they're less of a factor. You know, but you still need to deal with high tide and low tide. Now you've got to make, choose a surf spot. Surf spots face all different directions. So it depends on the swell direction. It depends on the tide. And so there's just so much involved there. And and then there's weather forecast because you we, we've got uh, surf prediction because uh, based on some of those variables, I'm going to either travel out of town or I'm going to go somewhere local. Or I might even, you know, I could travel... Any given day, I would travel. Uh, if the waves weren't going to be good where I was, I would I would gladly drive an hour to a place where the where the conditions were going to line up, you know, appropriately for the uh, for surfing. Now, let's say you're finally out in the water, and let's say the waves are big. Now, if the waves are big, let's say we start calling it big at I don't know two. Uh, maybe a story and a half of like a building, like one and a half stories to two stories. That's already when it's consequential. So when it's gotten consequential, there's all kinds of stuff you're going to have to persevere. Now, if it's a certain break that's quite organized in its style, so you can actually just gently paddle out. I've even paddled out in waves much bigger than 15 feet, and my hair was still dry when I got out there because because there was what's called a channel. The waves are breaking here, but they're not breaking here, and you can paddle out and get to the waves and then ride them. But then there's spots that have no channel. One of those spots that was the most painful in the world that I've ever surfed, and I surfed there a lot, probably once a month I would drive there and surf, is a place called Ocean Beach. It's in San Francisco in the Sunset District, right in the middle of San Francisco. You'd never think of San Francisco as a surf city, and it's mostly because the waves there are so uninviting, and the water is so cold that you have to not only wear a wetsuit, but you have to wear wetsuit booties. Uh, many people wear wetsuit gloves. I certainly did. And um, and you had to have a wetsuit hood 
meaning you wore a neoprene hood. And, um, but even with all that, every time there's, and there's no channel. So you're duck diving under these massive waves. So the waves all white water. It's a washing machine. And, and as you paddle as fast as you can towards the white wall of white water, right before it gets you, you duck dive the nose of your board under the wave and you come up hopefully the other side if you don't get taken into the soup. But what happens is every time you go under, you get an ice cream headache. Your, your brain freezes. Full on ice cream headache, like the worst ice cream headache you've ever gotten, you get every time. And your brain only thaws, you know, let's say we're at an 18 second interval. So your brain only thaws at about 16 seconds until you do it again. You do it again. And, and there were times where we paddled for more than an hour straight. I mean, we just couldn't get out. It was a barrage of waves, one after the other after the other. We just, we just couldn't even get out. But let's say we finally got out, and now you're totally exhausted, and you need your strength out there. Because, because if things go wrong, you, gotta, like, like you, you could wind up very easily at the bottom of the ocean after a bad fall. And you got to make your, your way up from the floor of the ocean all the way to the surface, and this is after having been in an insane amount of, of washing machine, you know, insanity that of what you had to go through just to in the wipeout itself. But you have to have strength reserved to get to the surface of the water. And for that reason, whenever we're surfing big waves, we never surf well. <laughs> we're a little irresponsible sometimes, but we try to never surf to the point of exhaustion. Now, in small waves, we surf till we're exhausted. Meaning the waves are six to eight feet. That's not so small, but it's not so consequential. So we would surf until um, we what we called spaghetti arms. Because the whole time you're surfing, you're really paddling the whole time. But we would surf until our arms were spaghetti. We could no longer paddle anymore. And uh, and so, but in big waves, you don't surf till you got spaghetti arms. Because that's a recipe to drown. Because if something goes wrong on your last wave... You know, you're, you're, you're going to have no strength to get yourself to the surface. Here's one more thing. And this is one of the approaches I want to talk to you about is, is when you have a serious wipeout, we have a term for what you're supposed to do. And that is called ragdoll. Ragdolling is where you turn your body into just a ragdoll and you let the wave do what it will to you. And the wave just takes you and your body and your limbs in every which direction. And your job is total, complete non-resistance. Non-resistance. Non-reactive. Yeah? You're going to have zero reaction, zero resistance to this experience. Now, for you, that might sound like a bit of a conflict because crisis and resistance usually come together. And here you're in a situation of a crisis while at the same time having to employ non-resistance. For this reason, the, uh, it takes, this is one of the reasons why it takes a lot of years to surf big waves. Um, it's not so much that surfing a bigger wave is so different than surfing a smaller wave. The issue is more training yourself to be non-resistant when a 10-foot wave takes you into that washing machine and then a 15 foot wave into the washing machine and then a 20 foot wave meaning when it's really consequential can you ragdoll can you move into full non-resistance now how is that applicable in our lives how can we use that in our lives well 
No better time to discuss non-resistance than during the coronavirus, especially for men, and that we, you know, males, you know, males and females, we all like to, uh, you know, express ourselves in the world. You know, we all like to be fully self-expressed and uh, and make the difference that we make in life. But but we all like to, but men need to. Like, we have to contribute, like Adam's curse and after the Garden of Eden where he was cursed to go. You know, you got to go out and work the fields. You know, they, you got to go deal with the thorns and the thistles out there. And, and uh, maybe if you come home with something, Eve will respect you instead of seducing you into, you know, going against God. So, so, they, so men, we need to go out. We need to make that contribution. And even for that reason, uh, Shabbos itself is a challenge for many men. You may have been raised keeping Shabbos, or you're used to it, but I can tell you, men not raised keeping Shabbos, whew, that's a big horse pill. I, I'll, I'm ten in ten women out of one, meaning one in ten. <laughs> if you had ten women and you introduced them to Shabbos, they just think it was like the greatest thing that ever happened. A, whereas one in ten men would think that was fabulous to just like drop their cell phone and drop their mark and. You know, and stop urinating on every lamppost they walk by to mark off their territory. You know, men are not that excited about Shabbos. And so, so what's going on here is during the coronavirus, we're in like this giant Shabbos, the Shabbos that never ends. In fact, I just got wind that the Shabbaton I had been kind of planning on and making a big difference in the world in May is postponed, which you can imagine. It's been postponed, but I only got the word about a minute before this class started. Ragdoll. Just ragdoll, like non-resistance. Just be. Now, thankfully, we do have two modes of operation in life. We have doing and being. And and I know that what I've been talking about is we like to do, 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 but, but there's a being. And for some of us, We've had a revelation in being since we've been in uh, the coronavirus lockdown. A revelation of, uh, hey, there's a whole being here. And, you know, doing isn't all that it was cracked up to be. Now, of course, you got to pay your bills, and that's a good thing, because we do have to do, and we do have to contribute in the world. But there is a being that is of, uh, you know, that is truly, truly essential. The being and the being's way more important than the doing. You know, how many people do you know in the world who are busy doing and have no idea who they're being? So they're like, they're like, they're masking the vacuum of being with more doing and more doing and more doing and more doing. And that's what I call do, 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 do until there's do, do everywhere. And they put on your tombstone, done. And as they say in the Bronx, ain't nobody got time for that. Because, you know, you really leave a mess when you're a doer like that. As opposed to someone who's a committed beer. And this has been one of the major effects of the coronavirus. Is just, we're all, we've all been relegated to just pure being. And some of you have been in an absolute disaster in the being mode. And I myself have had lots of ups and downs in that because I'm a I'm an energizer bunny, you know. I'm the ADHD rabbi, you know, running, flying from country to country to make everyone happy, you know. And and uh, you know, I would do 
boy, I would, I would do a concert every night if I could, you know, like I, I'm happy they pay me for my classes or my events or my seminars, but you know, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it too. You know, I, I'm getting to do, I'm getting to make a mark. I'm getting to have made that difference. And that's all gone right now, you know, except for this two dimensional zoom, you know, what we should all be investing in right now is, uh, is the 3d virtual 3d virtual reality, uh, zoom conferences. You know, can you imagine if we we're all like literally sensing that we we're in the room together? That'd be pretty cool. You know, that, that if anyone's developing it, I mean, that's going to be the next thing, you know, that where this is going. So, so something worth, worth perhaps uh, Googling if there are such companies in development now, get in early. So um, not that this is going to be our new reality. It's not going to be, but lessons are being learned right now. And it's important that we're, that we are learning them. Um, Anyway, but the first is ragdoll, and ragdoll means to be in in total non-resistance mode, and that's an important mode to be in. Uh, one of those times to be in that mode is when um, when your spouse is losing it. Yeah, if your spouse is losing it, or or even if they're not losing it, but they're just getting a little um, they're getting a little uh, 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 attacking, aggressive. You know, like. Uh, or, uh, or, or perhaps they're being uh, 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 passive-aggressive in their comments. And you could go into reaction real quick with that, but you just ragdoll. Yeah, that's a big wave coming. You don't want to get involved with that wave. You want to just let, it, let the wave break and go into non-resistance. Don't get involved. Don't, don't, you know, don't, let, you know, don't pull that trigger, because that's, that's going to lead somewhere you just don't want to be. And, um, the, the, uh, so anyway, that's, that's the first form is, is to go into that non-resistance mode and, uh, and just get in touch with the being. And the being's a really good place to be in it. And it's, uh, it's also, um, a very true place to be. And it's, and it's your essence and it's a capital B being. It's the being of, of all being. It's the being of God. You know, that's what's, that's what's, you know, your conscious being is, you know, ultimately that, that is the being that you are, you know, that is your conscious being. Um, so meanwhile, the, uh, some guy is like, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Um, some guy accidentally started sharing on our, our Zoom thing. Um, the next thing is, um, is when you're actually riding the wave. So, so when you're paddling into, when you're paddling into a big wave, when you're going into a big one, the, you know, you paddle as hard as you can. It's not very easy to paddle into a big wave and you gotta, you gotta pump and pump and pump and you're paddling with all your might. You also have a longer board. So there's much more there's much more uh, momentum involved to get into a big wave. Big waves travel at a higher speed. And they, and so you need more board. I mean, today in the giant waves, they have jet skis dra uh, dragging people in. I'm kind of happy, actually, that, that I miss that. Um, I miss the whole genre of jet skis dropping into uh, big waves because the, um, you know, that's, that's a bit of a disaster to um <laughs> to have continued with my uh 
with my ambitions in big wave riding. So it's kind of cool that that I didn't that, that jet ski surfing came right about when I got to Asia Taurus. So perfect timing to get out when I when I did because that definitely would have been where I would have wound up as many of my friends did. So but when you're paddling for that big wave there comes a point, meaning you're, you're really reading the surface of the wave. You're very involved with, like, because you don't want to go into a wave that's 25 feet if it's not the right one. You know, so you're pumping hard and you're paddling, you're paddling. And the, uh, but there comes a point where you can no longer pull back. And if you did pull back, pulling back means you put the board between your legs, you sit on the board and you pull back on the board. If there's a certain point where if you pull back, at the, you know, when it's, when you're past that point, that, that um, threshold, if you pull back, you're going over with the wave. And now you've got, you're squeezing the board. You're, you know, you're going to have the board between your legs. Not a wonderful place to have a board while flying over the falls of a 25-foot wave. Bad situation. You want to be as far away from that board as possible, you know, when you're in a wave that big. And so the, um, so the, the, um, so that, that there's a there's a commitment there where I'm going in no matter what I'm going in no matter what and so so it's very interesting because these are opposite opposite things there's ragdoll non-resistance and then there's I'm going in committed no matter what and both of these the ragdoll and the going in no matter what both of them are essential you have to have both both aspects going on in life so so we've got this like real strong committed relationship to the world where we're we're like we're just we're moving in and we're moving in strong that's one aspect that we have with life and then we have this this like we have now in the coronavirus where it's just like total surrender total surrender total non-resistance and you have to have both in your repertoire and that's what a lot of us are learning right now is because some of us are full-on you know all the time and we're just fully committed and we're just racing into every situation and but we're not so good at that non-resistance you know position and so we got the same thing uh both both ways it goes both ways and the uh where we where we have to be able to um one sec let me just mute that thing uh mute all i'm just muting the Anyway, so so we've got we've got to have both things at our in our repertoire. Anyway, blessing everybody from Jerusalem. Everyone should be well. Everyone should be happy and and good and uh, just blessings. And uh, we should have a refuah shleima for all the people who need a uh, refuah and uh, and condolences for everyone who needs condolences. And um, we should get to the other side of this quickly and be the better for it as a result. Okay. All the best blessings, everyone. And uh, you can stay on if you want. I'll just uh, bring up the uh, other people here. Hold on. Okay. I'm going to unmute everybody. Unmute all. Uh, anyone who has comments can comment in with us. Um, Oh, Southern California's locked out of the water, huh? Oh, my gosh. Samantha Glazer. Oh, my gosh, my cousin's watching. 
hope that's our Samantha. Is that you, Samantha? Uh, I'm unmuting everybody. Um, guys, did something weird happen? Did we get like an anti-Semite on this in the in the program all of a sudden? I saw a name of someone, Brito or something, B-R-I-T-O. Did you guys get a screen share with like a, like a, oh, William, we're, we're, we're going to end a little early tonight sometime. Uh, did you guys notice a screen share during it? Yeah? Oh, wait, I have your volume off, sorry. And did, uh, but the next thing I saw was like a Hitler effigy. Did you see that? I wonder how, if that's reportable. I, was it Ethan Brito? Ethan Brito, maybe. Does that sound familiar to anyone? No? Okay. Um, I don't know. Oh, you know what? I can review it. I'll probably see it on the video. And, uh, and then I can report that to Zoom. Um, okay, very good. Anyone have any questions? Comments? Questions or comments on the Zoom world? Okay, very good, guys. I'm uh, I'm only doing a short class tonight because I'm on the uh, I'm on the tired side. I don't know why. Just took today. Today was very intense. Um, and someone who has noise in the background, maybe mute that. Um, Schwartz, uh, who's making all that noise? Pinchas, do you have a question? No, you're good. Okay. All right, great. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Uh, tr- I'm I'm doing my best to be the best, one of the best rabbis. Oh wow, we met in 2011. Someone commented, he said that I'm one of the best rabbis I've ever met in 2011. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, gang. Uh, if no one has if no one has any specific question, you can certainly comment on the live uh, if you have a question. Um, if no one has any questions at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get some sleep. Questions? 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 questions. A- Adel, you have a question? No, I have a question actually, but not really related to the topic tonight. Oh, it's all right. That topic's over. All right. So I can ask any question. I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to know how do you deal with one second I'm trying to <laughs> remember I had this question. Wait, hold on one, hold on um, one sec, okay? I, hold hold on to your question for okay. a second. I'll be right back. Okay. I don't see a room. Okay. Um Hey, gang. Yeah, so what's your question? Adel, what's your question? Um, so basically, hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, so basically I wanted to know, like, how does, like, 
I get we all go through different stuff like in our life and like sometimes um we have like what they past traumas or things like resurfacing. So I just wanted to know like how like there's so many techniques to like like when something resurfaces, like how to like how to deal with it or to be present or like different stuff. But I was just wondering like is there a way that like you can get rid of something that it's like totally that like you won't have to like cry about it again or like with it? Do you, do you have uh, yeah, sure. Um, there's many ways to do that, and one of the, but one of the most. Like, uh, you like, say again, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anything like you suggest? Like what? Yeah, yeah. So, that, like, so it like, may not be some. It may not be something you can do by yourself, but but one of the ways to get over trauma is to experience it right. fully and voluntarily. What happens is, most of the uh, time, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I'm just, we're being hijacked, but it's good for me to see, because I'm just seeing what's possible of hijack. Okay. Yeah, someone put this kind of a second. <laughs> they put, do you see what they're putting on there? Yeah, someone. <laughs> it's so interesting that they're able to find our stuff, you know? But I wish there was a way to... <laughs> Spanish. Should be a way to block this guy. Anyway, the uh, because I don't even think that guy was on our group. Let me see if he's on our group. Oh yeah, there is a guy named Jose there. More, one sec. Like put in waiting room. Remove. Oh, there should be a block. Anyway, that was all I could get to. Um, so listen, what happens is, um, there's, whenever someone has trauma, whenever someone has trauma, they're almost always, uh, in a situation where they were involuntarily in a, in it. Meaning, meaning I know anytime I've ever had trauma, like I just, I just didn't want to be, uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Nick can, um, anytime. Uh, anytime I've had a trauma, like it was, what was going on was the opposite of what I wanted going on. You know, every time, whether it was a car crash, whether it was abusive situation, whether it was a, I was getting trolled or whatever. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with that. Now, um, now normally, uh, um, nor- so what happens is if you can voluntarily re-experience a trauma, but the key word is right. vo- voluntarily. People don't want to do that, really. Right. No one wants to do that. But yeah. voluntarily, yeah. voluntarily re-experience a trauma, which is one. This is right. one of the reasons why hypnosis is very key because because no one wants to re-experience certain things. Right. Like forget about that. Um, but but right. in hypnosis, I can voluntarily go re-experience that, you know, with my unconscious mind. You know, leading the show. The person's not really there all the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're not there physically, okay. and you're not, but yet you can bring up the past and go through it again voluntarily. And that voluntarily part is the part that causes the shift that makes it finally go away. And you'd say, like, when the person comes back to, like, present, I'm saying, like, it, like it's away, like, you have experience. Sure, it's power. 
and it's no longer that interesting. And we sometimes do that unconsciously. Wow. I know, for example, before I got good at being, right. before I got good at being uh, so public, um, I um, okay. I was trolled a few times by some pretty vicious people. What's trolled? Trolled means uh, um, uh, uh, anonymously attacked online. Oh, you from know, people that you like you worked with, you're saying? It was it was just random people, but uh, but maybe perhaps right. uh, people from a, a Hasidist wink wink that's not mine that felt threatened for some right. reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, so so that's called being trolled. But what I'll notice sometimes is, you know, and they were, they were, I've had some traumatic ones because I didn't know what I was doing yet. I didn't, now I know how to handle that, but I didn't know then. <laughs> and um, right. so what I'll do is sometimes I'll find myself telling a story of me once being trolled, which brings me right back to it. Only now I'm, choo- mm. I'm choosing. But I'm choosing, you understand? I'm choosing voluntarily to discuss being trolled. To go back. Well, just right. telling the story right. is bringing me back. Stop. Yeah. Please. No, I want. So that no, right. No. One minute. Yeah. You that understand? Like in like a simpler, like example, a little bit, a simple, a simpler version. I'm saying. Right. And uh, and just yeah. saying like that's not even with right. hypnosis. And um, there's other things people do. The um, right. um, another thing is um, is people can do it. I mentioned hypnosis. Um, you can do it with speak, right. talking. So you're saying you'd, like, you'd recommend to do with someone, basically. Yeah, like, talking it's, through it's it. It's not something that you should be doing yourself. Yeah, right? and and you can be, ex- right. and you can even do, and this you got to be very careful, is exposure therapy, voluntarily exposing yourself right. to the same situation. But uh, you got to be very careful with that. Um, right. I know, I mean, I know, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, highly heavily Hasidic women involved in, you know, things where they're, where there's, where they had had trauma that had to do with touch and they're, they actually go through oh. it. They go through it again with the therapist oh, who's really a, scary stuff. Yeah, a female therapist, obviously, but playing, wow. ma- playing male right. involving touch, well, which is like, right. wow. Is like when I heard that, I was like, I was like, yeah. you gotta be kidding! And how, of course, did I hear about it? Was uh, was my students? You know, that was my students saying, you know, like, I gotta tell you what people are doing, you know, because I gotta know whether I'm supposed to be saying something or telling on them or like, you know, is this is this wrong? Um, but in the end, it, it's it's, right. it's just an extreme version of voluntary exposure therapy. Right. Would yeah. you say like there are certain times like in life that it'd be like more recommended to do it than like other times? Like um, now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't wait. Don't wait. Every do day we wait is another day we deal with it. And so you do it now. Sure. You do it now. I'm I'm from I'm from LA. LA, you feel negative emotions for like about a minute before you say something to the person who's bothering you. Um, East Coast, 
right. is like you wait for three days. Uh, European East Coast, okay. European East Coasters, they go for like, they like to soak in it for about a year or two or maybe a lifetime. And, uh, you know, but the, but the, uh, um, but the, you know, I'm from California. I, I have no time for negative emotions. And if what I'll have to do is, expo- right. if, if I have to do exposure therapy for trauma, I'm going to do it that day. Dude, because life, life's happening. Like you can go through. Yeah. Life is now. You can't wait. No, just, yeah. um, right. a, another way to do it is uh, is with uh, is psychedelic therapy, um, using the mm-hmm. Aboriginal medicines to to um, you know to go through it there. I've seen uh, I've seen people do that um, where they you know they'll take uh, some kind of potion. That takes them on this wild, uh, uh, takes them on this full journey. But I've noticed many people will have to go through their trauma. Um, <laughs> it's not really fair to do that anymore. What do you mean by that? Like taking something special while going to a therapist? Or you're saying like they put them on it and then... The like, therapist, the therapist or the leader or the medicine chief, whomever, puts the, gives them a potion right. that takes them on this journey. But um, I personally feel that someone who has... Someone who has some trauma to live through does not belong in a group setting for that. And, you know, it's... Would you... Like, to do something like that, you're saying? Yeah, because when the potion hits the bloodstream and they start to go on their journey, they're going to be... They're they're going to be like... Everyone in the room who paid also 100 bucks, 200 bucks, or whatever for this person who's an excellent leader to lead them through this... They don't want to hear about, right. you know, someone in some Holocaust-oriented trauma or some rape or, God right. forbid, whatever. You know, they didn't pay for that. So, like, anyone who's got some heavy right. stuff like that should be doing that one-on-one with a trained psychedelic therapist. Right. And let, yeah, that, let that one-on-one right. person administer the potion. Right. Yeah. Right. Would you say it makes sense also, like, let's say, like, Let's say these stuff like resurface like randomly. Could be like once a year. Could be like once every few months. Like, would you say that like someone that went through something, it's probably affecting them like on a daily basis, and they don't realize? Yeah. Sometimes they wonder that. Yeah, yeah. most yeah. people have it running under the under the radar. It's there all the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a question here from a guy named Mark. You. You're welcome. A guy named Marcus. He says, "Is it necessary to have to have a beard to practice this?" Religion. I, I imagine he's talking about Judaism, but I'm not sure. Um, because in my work, they do not allow a big beard. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about the beard, bro. Um, yeah, you can. You're all good. You can just have a nice uh, trim beard if you really want to have a beard. Uh, if you look on the screen, Pinchas over there has a perfect beard. It's nice and trim, but clearly, the facial hair exists. Um, Hasidic Jews have, for Kabbalistic reasons, we're very serious about our beards. You know, we take our beards seriously, and uh, but it's more Kabbalistic. It's nothing you have to worry about. It's extra mystical. Uh, it's an extra mystical bonus. Uh, and anyway, so you don't have to worry about the beard, Marcus. Uh, you wrote back, but I'm leave that work. I think you're going to have to correct that sentence for me to understand that. Um, okay, any other questions? Anybody? Greetings from Vegas. 
Oh, yeah, Pinchas, uh, let me unmute you real quick. Yeah, what do you got? Cannabis. Yeah, cannabis. What about cannabis? So I've been a user uh, last year, been a heavy user. Yeah. And I stopped rushing. I want to experience that feeling again now in this time right now. Um, I want I want to know if I should go down that route, not even mature, go go it down in a mature way. I'm not I'm not sure where I'm getting at, but I, I need some guidance. A little bit. Um, okay. Um, uh, Ryan, a lot of these are recorded. Someone asked if these are recorded. All you have to do is go on YouTube. You'll find tons and tons of material or TorahAnytime.com. YouTube or Torahanytime. Um, so Pinchas. Um, the fact that, that you were a heavy user of cannabis and now you're not, I don't think this is a good time to be, um, dabbling in it because, you know, the coronavirus lockdown, are you locked down more or less? You wind up, you know, you're going to wind up overusing it again because you're undistracted right now. And so, so I think this would be a negative time to reintroduce that, that, that uh, into your life. Um, but I get how you're feeling uh, restless about it. Meaning, meaning you realize that this could either be sitting stuck at home or it could be in Disneyland without having to leave your home. And, and plus it would enhance whatever movies you're enjoying and it would enhance the music you're listening to. If you're listening, um, the many people are, are doing music, this particular Omer because of the situation, you know, because if you're not on a, on a scale of one to ten, if your well-being isn't from a six to a ten, you you have no business keeping that minhag right now. You understand? You're not in any year, but many people who normally have a good six to ten well-being score, you know, in a normal year, uh, is uh, you know, of course, you're not listening to music. But anyone five and down is listening to music during the Omer, unless you're really nuts, you know. No rabbi would make you not listen to music if you're if you're not if you're having a loss of well being, you know for sure. So, so the um, the anyway. So this is probably not the uh, not the time to be taking up cannabis. Um, it's uh, you know and and so the question is what do you do to kind of electrify the situation such that you feel feel it and it's strong and it's powerful and you know and you're able to enhance this otherwise black and white movie you're in because anyone who does cannabis and stops feels like they're in a black and white movie and and so you're uh you're a little bit stuck right now um so what i would suggest is um various meditation techniques um but if you want to get yourself really high is to do some holotropic breath work, which I think on YouTube you can access. And if you do that, I mean, that'll take you higher than, than anything. I mean, that's a, that's a full psychedelic experience. And all you're doing is extreme breath work patterns, but it takes you away. Like, and that, that looks, it makes cannabis look like a glass of wine, you know, what, where that takes you. And, um, and so if you're really craving getting high right now, so go on to YouTube and look up holotropic breath work and see if someone's instructing that on YouTube. 
Um, it's not, it's not that, um, it's not that, uh, uh, safe. So I, but I would imagine that anyone who's teaching that on YouTube is only teaching the safer techniques. Um, generally you want someone, if, some, if someone's leading you in holotropic breath work, they're, they're generally people who have, uh, you know, achieved the, the level of res being able to responsibly train others in how to, in doing it. So, I mean, I would never do holotropic breath work by myself, but, uh, but again, I've never searched YouTube for such a thing because I've, I've been scared away from it sufficiently having two uh, extreme situations happen when I did it. So, so I'm, uh, I'm generally staying away from it. Uh, but you might want to think of, Hey, wow. Ben. See you. Nice to see you. I can't believe I'm seeing you. Oh my gosh. What's up? I'm actually, I was just finishing up, but uh, I've taken a few questions before I finished. Um, hey Ryan, you made it on. Not bad. Um, so how you doing, Bensi? Very good. I'm happy to see you. I'm going to listen in. Likewise. So, um, anyway, uh, Pinchas, when you have finally learned your lessons and you're matured and you've gotten beyond the point of, uh, of being able to get sucked back down that, sucked back down that path, you are, um, then, uh, then like any other thing in Judaism, as Jews look at the world, we do everything in balance. We're not big quitters. You know, when when we were teenagers, my father used to always ask my brothers and I why we wouldn't, why we don't quit smoking cannabis. And, and we'd always say, Dad, you taught us never quit. So he would get so angry when we'd say that. We we said it as a joke, obviously. Anyway, uh, but but Jews, Jews basically don't do, do, Jews do not, not do anything. Did that make any sense? Jews don't not do anything. There's always a time and a place for everything. You get that? We're very balanced people. I know, you know, there's some East Coast AA groups, Alcoholic Anonymous groups, that when a Jew comes to their group, they say, listen, you can join our group, but before you do, go meet the observant Jews of whatever is the local closest community. Go meet them. Keep Shabbos for like a few months and see if you're still an addict. Um... Because we're we're not a very addictive people. When we are, we are. But it, but but meaning there are individuals that are. But we're not that addictive, because we do every. Depending on the time of the year, we do it. You know, we will drink like alcoholics, but on Purim one day a year. You know, um, I know I have Lubavitch friends who drink like a whole bunch of alcohol every Shabbos, but nothing the rest of the week, unless it's a farangin or something. So. So it's like we do everything and sometimes we even do it excessively, but always in balance and always when it's appropriate. So, so Pinchas, I'm not saying that the cannabis has to be out of your life forever. And I don't believe it's proper to quit anything because when you quit something, you give it energy. It becomes part of your identity. I don't do that. You know, can you imagine going to a meeting every week and discussing what you don't do? <laughs> it sounds crazy. But alcoholics do it. Some go every day. They go spend an hour a day talking about something they don't even do. And I understand why they're doing that. We, we all know they're looking for some strength to stay away from alcohol. That makes sense. But, but it is, I'm just saying, looking really from above, it's quite a bizarre concept. 
that you can, that you, that you'd actually give any energy to something you don't do. So the way I like to say it is I don't not drink, which means I drink, but I don't, when's the last time I drank? Seder night, you know? And uh, even then I was like choking down my fourth cup because I just like, I don't really drink four cups of wine at any meal, you know? And, and I don't not smoke grass, but I also not smoking grass, but it give, you see, I'm giving it no energy. So Pinchas, what you'd want to say is you don't not smoke grass. You don't not smoke it, you don't smoke it. It's just neutral. You've neutralized it. You've, you've, you've taken away the gun. That gives power to it. Shimon, you have a question? I'm unmuting you. I'm, oh, there you go. Uh, what did you think of uh, microdosing? Microdosing? You mean uh, you mean yeah. uh, non? Uh, uh, you know, uh, psychedelic not microdosing. So uh, you're talking about non-perceptual amounts of psychedelics. Um, so yeah. I've heard good because things. My body doesn't respond well with uh, so, marijuana. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. They, they, they're using it. They're, they're people are microdosing those things for mostly in like Silicon Valley's where it's popular, like Google and Apple and all those different places. Um, my microdosing for them, the reason they're doing it is for, um, and for those who don't know what that is, they're taking non-perceivable amounts of psychedelics like, uh, like LSD or like, uh, psilocybin, um, which is the mushroom. They're taking non, uh, perceptual amounts. You, under, you understand there's a certain threat amount where there would be a threshold where you would start to be psychoactively, you know, involved with it. Meaning it would be treating you, it would be, uh, affecting you psychoactively and um but there's a below threshold amount where all it does apparently i mean what the reading i've done is it causes um it causes you to be uh more um clear your mental acuity is stronger you're clearer um you're harder working um your stamina is higher it replaces coffee basically they they this is like instead of coffee they do it once every three days and they don't need any coffee um, and, uh, but I think most importantly, why they do it in Silicon Valley is, uh, for creativity, thinking out of the box and creativity and openness is a very important trait in the high tech community. So you'll have to Google it. Uh, the, the jury's out on that. And maybe I, again, I'm not that up to date, so it could be the jury's in already and it's something very positive. Um, I don't know. And then you also have something that no one could know, and that's the long-term effect of having every three days. And by the way, most people only do it for like a month, I think a month or five weeks, something like that. Um, I don't know, uh, the positiveness of that. And, uh, and so I, I can't really, I can't tell you with any authority what, how microdosing helps. I do know that, um, that just on the subject of addictions that, that, um, in the 1950s, LSD was considered the and today again, you know, in all the right now at UCLA and Johns Hopkins and New York University and, and England and Cambridge and all the in Israel also all these universities they're treating people now with psychedelics is that it's it's apparently the number one cure for alcoholism and any other opiate addiction. 
It's the number one cure for that. In fact, people even will be cured with one, uh, one powerful session on those psychedelic compounds. That one, one, one um, administration of that compound you know, obviously the set and the setting, the mindset and the setting have to be right, but but they are able to completely rid people of addictions that they have been suffering for years and years and years and years. They are able to um, to uh, get out of get out of their addictions as a result. It's also we're talking like eighty percent success rate with with depression and also with PTSD trauma. Um, Although the compound called MDMA is is beating those in trauma uh, recovery. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Um, who who's that over there with his hand up, I'm trying to unmute you here? Uh, I don't know why it's still muted. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Ryan, you had your hand up. I don't know what happened to Ryan. Ryan, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, what, you, had a, you had your hand up for something? Yes, so my question is, living in L.A., and I believe you grew up in Santa Barbara, if I'm correct? I went to university in Santa Barbara, in, uh, but I grew up in L.A. So, growing up, or living in L.A., there's so many just distractions and so many, you know, so much, uh, you know, so much nightlife, um, even as a Jewish person, I don't always tend to celebrate Shabbat, which is unfortunate, but, um, but you know, life is always going. Life is, is very fast, and I find that my happiness is often stemmed from external things, such as like going out and such as baseball. So right now, I'm actually happier than I've ever been in life because I have a moment to just relax. I have a moment to just kind of reflect on myself um how how do i find balance once once they open back up you know the world of la you know because i still want to go out a little bit i just want to but if you're under right now how do i take that into into the new world once once this covid19 is over um get married Why do you say that? Uh, because you need to come home and just stare into a, another human being's eyes who you're in a long-term, permanent, connecting relationship with. And then the two of you can go out sometimes, and that'd be great. Um, and you can go lifts and all the bands and party together, because I promise you, whoever you're married is going to love partying. And, um, and the... But... But being single in L.A. is, is uh, you know, it's like mind-bending after a while. You, it, it just gets blurry. You don't know where you are anymore. Like, meaning you don't, you, you don't know what day it is. Because you can just go and go and go, and it never ends. And I don't know if you're into live music, but, like, you chose the right city for that. And, and it, just, it just never, never ends, you know. And you need, you need a wife, and you need a wife quick. So also, if you have a wife, um, find one that's, that keeps Shabbos. And if you're, how old are you, Ryan? I'm 32. I, I was engaged actually, but not anymore. 
Okay, I'm sorry. So I'm sure it's for the better. Um, Ryan, uh, any girl who's willing to take right. a, any any girl who's keeping Shabbos who's willing to take a 32 year old guy who's not keeping Shabbos is is going to be a really patient person. <laughs> she's going to be really patient. If you take a girl who's not keeping Shabbos, you're never going to get the balance, you know, because because you, you're just going to be marrying another chicken with her head cut off. But especially in L.A., no offense to L.A. girls, but forget about it. Yeah. And uh, whereas if you can find one of those people. I see. So maybe, maybe move out of L.A. Or either move out of L.A. or stay in L.A., but meet. meet or, or become more. more uh... You don't even have to. In LA, right you, area. you can be a little more observant, but I—that's I, your own decision. I, can't, I never tell anyone what to do on that stuff. But, but definitely date girls from Pico Robertson, and who are like hanging around shops and stuff. That's who you want to marry. One of those girls, and um, you know they're like they're like Shomer Shabbos light, and they're gonna want to marry a guy, but they can't marry a guy because none of the guys keep Shabbos, and you're. You're as close to, they're gonna find to a guy who's willing, and and then but why would you want to do anything else? You're married to the girl of your dreams, and you're keeping Shabbos together. So, and right, that's a beautiful thing, Shabbos. I, you know, I've experienced it. And but. then and then Saturday night, you guys go out and party. You know, I think you're Rabbi. <laughs> anyway, that's my advice. Um, I, I know that sounds like a tall order, but, uh, but, and I think you probably are listening to me thinking that you need a lot of prerequisites to date those kind of girls. You don't, they're desperate. Now, if you told me you were 20, I would tell you, they're not going to touch you with a 10 foot pole if you're not keeping Chavez and learning Torah at least two hours a day or something like that. But any girl who's already dating 32 year old guys, you know, who's from that community who keeps Shabbos every week? She, you're, you're perfect, man. You're, you're, you're a stud. <laughs> okay, 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 everybody. Wait, wait, don't go, guys. I'm saying shalom. My daughter's about to leave with her new husband. Shalom, everyone. Blessings. Hi everyone, Shalom. Hey, Moshe Chaim. <laughs> By the way, Moshe Chaim, I was saying most of that in jest, but kind of half serious. I love you. Miss you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.